Welcome to the Bill Walton Show. Uh, with everything coming down from the pandemic and the lockdowns and now the vaccines, I wanted to talk with some fairly savvy observers about uh, their take on what's happening and what we can expect going forward. And so I asked three members of my team on the Bill Walton Show, uh, uh, Rich McFadden and Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Brian McNichol, who's an independent jur journalist, uh, uh, as I mentioned, savvy observers all. Uh, Greg, uh, why don't we start off with you? What's, what's your take on, uh, let's start with the vaccines. Well, the thing I've been saying uh, in a number of different forums over the last few weeks is if you liked the mask wars, you're going to love the vaccine wars because, of course, the, the idea has been that you have to wear the mask, you have to social distance, and there might be good recommendations, but uh, obviously you're looked upon and scorned uh, by certain people if, if you don't in, in certain settings. And when we get to the point where vaccines are widely available, uh, we're already seeing signs that if you don't get the vaccine, you're going to be shunned from polite society. Now, most of it's coming from the private sector at this point. Ticketmaster says you need to have proof of vaccination or proof of a negative COVID test within the past 72 hours to go to one of their concerts when they reopen their concerts, which they hope to do next year. Qantas Airlines has said you need to have proof of vaccination if you're doing any international travel on their airline. CNBC just uh, put out a, uh, an article this week saying, yes, your employer has the right to fire you if you refuse. And this isn't to say, be scared of the vaccine. I'm very pro-vaccine. Um, I might be, given the speed of this, a little bit later in line to get it just to see how other folks react to it. But there, I think on a personal liberty level, there's a big difference between encouraging people to get the vaccine and, and saying, you know, the sooner everybody gets a vaccine, I think things are going to go back to as close as they can to normal and saying, you must get the vaccine or else you're not going to have access to different parts of everyday society. I think that's going to engender a lot more backlash than cooperation. And it seems like some people who are on the vaccination um, express train here are almost excited to see that clash. And I think well, that's very unfortunate. Well, in the science, the ticket matcher science is, is, is right in line with everything we've seen for the last uh, nine months, which is, uh, I mean, who goes to rock concerts? Kids. Who are the least likely statistically to get anything remotely like COVID-19 at the 0.001 level? And yet they're going to be the ones showing their vaccination papers. So this, this like, looks like a continuation of the same old, same old. Uh, Rich, Brian? You know, Bill, you're, you're a business guy. Um, so I, I would love to hear your take on what you think is going to happen when Qantas and Ticketmaster and all of these companies are not able to make a profit because they've shunned a large portion or a, a good sized portion of their uh, customer base, then what happens? Do they go to the government and ask for help? And then what does the government do? So then do we end up as taxpayers subsidizing these companies who won't serve us because we will not get the vaccination uh, at the speed at which they would like us to? What happens to business at that point? Well, the short answer is yes. We're going to see them going to government. They're going to go to government for two different reasons. One is they're going to, they're going to lobby for the mandatory vaccine. So, you know, these CEOs don't want to go out on point. So they're going to try to hide behind the government mandate. And so 
like all the rest of the things we've seen, we're going to be seeing very big business lobbying government to lock people down, or in this case, take a vaccine. And, and failing that, yeah, they'll be back with their hands out for more, uh, more uh, bailouts. Uh, it, it's not a good scenario. And as you can sense, I've, I've got a lot of respect for the small working entrepreneurs, but not a lot for the way big businesses handle this. Um, we're, seeing, we're seeing right now, I'm sorry, Brian, we're seeing right now how uh, businesses are fighting back, small businesses especially. Uh, you know, you see the restaurant owner in, in Los Angeles who is, is saying, listen, they're able to film a movie and feed people 50 feet away from my closed restaurant. Uh, I don't think this is going to end well if they decide to uh, make the vaccine mandatory for everyone. So I just, I don't see this going in the right direction for America. Brian? I think you're headed for some serious civil unrest if you do stuff like that, because you know, the, you're, the people who are coming into power now, Biden manages to hold on, are they they live to compel people to do stuff so it's not going to be long before this moves and from a you know private industry mandate to a government mandate and, and pos quite possibly given the folks that he's appointing and so forth at the federal level i mean you know he's talking about xavier becerra being head of hhs that's you know i don't see this sticking to being a who's local he? thing who's xavier who's he he is Attorney General of California now. He is the most pro-abortion politician in America. Oh, my. Well, you know, but the thing that's different about this, say, opposed to the mask, is this seems to be a bipartisan opposition to, to vaccine. Both sides of the aisle have started saying, uh, we don't want to play in the sandbox. What do you, how do you, how do you guys see that playing out? Well, I think it's an important distinction to make between in discouraging people to get the vaccine and forcing people to get the vaccine. I think it's fine to encourage people to get the vaccine. It's making it mandatory and infringing on that personal liberty that I think people are going to blanch at. I think people who would normally um, be inclined to get the vaccine and try to move back to normal, even though there are some signs out there that normal isn't coming even with the vaccine. Uh, for example, you've got uh, epidemiologists telling the New York Times they still think the masks and so forth are going to be required after the vaccines, perhaps in perpetuity. But uh, after all of these mandates on so many different things from small businesses to mass to everything else, um, you know, dro dropping the hammer instead of using the carrot to, uh, to encourage people to do this because, I mean, the vaccine probably is going to be a good thing, but people are gonna be wary about it because of the speed, even though it's been rigorously tested. And so it's going to be a flashpoint, particularly, among people who might already have reservations about it. So to browbeat them into doing it and to threaten uh, to cut them off from commerce. Uh, I saw one idea, I think it was John Delaney, who was uh, and also ran as a Democratic presidential candidate, who said that uh, people's individual stimulus check from the next round of COVID relief should be dependent upon getting the vaccine. Hmm. Well, that is not going to lead to people to get the vaccine. That's going to lead to major unrest. And so uh, respecting people's individual rights rather than uh, in, you know, hitting them over the head with a stick is uh, going to be a much a, better approach. Really, it's really more, my money. Well, yeah. Well, I wish John were more of a lover of freedom than he is, but he's not. Uh, so how does this play into ending the lockdowns? Because I've heard people say, well, you're going to have to stay locked down until we get the vaccine. Yet we begin to me, that's the way to sell it, is to say, 
you know, hey, if you get the, if, if, you know, we all go out and get this, or most of us, not mandatory, but if you want it, you go get it. When we, were, when we achieve, you know, X percent vaccine level, we can remove these restrictions and just tie it directly to the restrictions. I think the genie's out of the bottle. It, it, unfortunately, I think that the, the fear factor out there is so big and people are so uh, afraid of this pandemic that I don't think no matter what you do, they're going to be comfortable with anybody not wearing masks, with anybody not getting the vaccine. So no matter what percentage of people get the vaccine, no matter what percentage of people uh, don't have the virus anymore, no matter how far the virus drops, uh, I think there's going to be people out there that still say we need to have masks. We need to be distanced. We need to close businesses where people could be uh, close to each other. And I think small business is going to get bit. And really what I would love to see is some of these bigger businesses bite themselves in the butt and, and take the bullet for us. Uh, you know, professional sports, Ticketmaster. I could care less if I ever bought another Ticketmaster ticket in my life. I've seen all the journey concerts I need to see. I'm done. Go ahead and keep your NBA, uh, you know, woke sports. I'm out. So I don't care if Ticketmaster goes out. It, it just doesn't matter. And I don't think that there's enough people that are going to be able to override the fear factor here. Well, the fear factor is so real. I've got a friend who's a pretty, huge. pretty staunch libertarian who keeps sending around all these emails about the masks and the lockdown, we shouldn't wear them and things like that. And I said, well, I haven't, I, so I sent him an email and I said, uh, I said, let's get together. And he said, oh, oh, I can't do that. Not till we get the vaccine. So you've even got people who are, who are, who are presumably lovers of liberty who are still terrified of this thing. I mean, I, I think these scars may last for years. I think there's a very real need to like get out the information about this. So for instance, you know, where I'm doing, I'm a basketball coach and I'm doing tryouts now. It's, the season started yesterday and I, we have all the numbers, all the high schools in this area, the numbers are way down of people trying out because the parents are afraid that, you know, the kids will catch it and transmit it at home. But I mean, the facts are, you know, there's about 80 million school kids in America and uh, fewer than 100 of them have died of COVID. And all, every single one of them that did had multiple comorbidities, not a single one, not a single exception to that. And, you know, they don't have, you know, the, there's, no, there's not a record anywhere in the world of an, a kid giving COVID to the adult and the adult dying. So, you know, the, the danger that these people are trying to avoid really doesn't even exist, you know, because if you're sitting there with three comorbidities, you're not going out for high school basketball anyway, right? So, you know, you know, I don't want to, you know, you can't criticize the choice of the parents, right? They're, they're trying to make informed decisions, protect themselves, their, themselves, their families, their kids, but they, they're doing it with only one side of the information. It shouldn't be sides of information in uh, something like this, but there are, and that's got to get fixed. But Brian, would you well, get that fact about adults not catching COVID from kids to the teachers unions? Oh, yeah, that's it would that would be helpful because they don't they're actively you know that's who's stopping school from resuming right now is teacher yep. unions. Well, the and that, question. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, guys. No, I mean that's what I don't understand. Is this seems easy enough for me with regard to high school and high school sports or schools in school sports? Is uh, the 
teachers, the faculty, and the families of the students get the vaccine if they want it. And the kids don't really need it. And everything can move along. But again, we go back to the fear factor because I know several teachers who will not go back to school until there is some proof that everything is, you know, everybody's been vaccinated and everybody's moved along and it's proven to them that it's safe. So, but it, it seems very reasonable. The kids don't pass it along or if they do, it's at a rate where it's not lethal and the faculty, they're the ones who should get vaccinated. Families of the kids should get vaccinated. We all go back to normal. I can go to Ticketmaster concerts, right? But that's not going to be the way it is because people are afraid to go back to the way it and was. Bill, and Bill, the, uh, the issue of the unions uh, has reared its head again this week. The Chicago Teachers Unions have bailed on uh, in-person instruction starting, I think, around January 11th. And they put out a tweet over the weekend suggesting that uh, the push for in-person instruction is based in racism, sexism, and misogyny. So uh, that, ought, that ought to fill out your, uh, your woke bingo card there. But uh, the... <laughs> The unions have also got uh, Joe Biden in line. He did an interview over the weekend saying he's talked to the unions and all they need is $100 billion to get elementary schools ready for the rest of this year. So uh, that doesn't even include high schools or going forward. But, uh, you know, if everybody gets the vaccine as they want them to, uh, I'm not sure that the $100 billion is necessary. So the politicization of this continues apace. Did anybody ask him what the $100 billion was going to go for? Yeah, he said it goes for uh, sanitizing, ventilation, and creating smaller pods of students. So the, uh, the risk of infection is smaller, and that means hiring more teachers as well. Oh, my. <laughs> well, what about the politicization of this? Because we've got to, I mean, I, I'm still in the camp that hopes that Trump can somehow pull out this election. But if he doesn't, we've got a Biden administration. De do people feel like they're going to, does the Biden administration feel like they need to hold the reins less tightly because they're in power now? I mean, this was always, to me in this country, a battle against Donald Trump. Whatever Donald Trump wanted, you know, they hated. How does, well, what, what are the I, I mean, I, I think the advantage of Biden actually winning, if there is an advantage, is the fact that people will feel safer. Uh, the, the people that are afraid that I that I speak of, I think they will feel safer knowing that Biden is controlling the vaccination process. Uh, I don't think they would ever come out of their cave if Trump were still the president. Greg, what do you think? No, I, well, I think that's certainly where the media is coming in on this. I mean, you got to the point where the media was cheering studies that showed that hydroxychloroquine wasn't uh, the cure-all that President right. Trump uh, may have uh, suggested it would be, even though later studies showed that if you used it early on after infection, it was extremely effective. And so once you got to the point where they were cheering for things Trump was promoting not to work, uh, the, uh, the politicization of this was, uh, was on in full steam. And so uh, I think you'll get the, the media uh, very much agreeing with whatever progress the Biden administration claims is happening. Uh, and, and so it's going to be much less confrontational on this issue. Uh, and so once Joe Biden's 100 days of mask wearing is done, uh, if he claims that there's a, a huge bit of progress against the spread of the disease, the media will dutifully report that. And Maybe we'll be closer to getting back to normal. That's what I don't understand. Greg, help me understand that part, okay? We've been wearing masks for 100 days or more. 
And so what's the next 100 days going to do that the first 100 days didn't, except make people feel better because Biden told them to do it? Well, it seems like each time this issue flares up, which is quite often, there's some sort of uh, reason that the media and, and, and folks on the left will point to for why there was uh, this spike. The most current one, of course, is people didn't obey the order not to visit with family and friends over Thanksgiving. Uh, there was a there's a Trump rally in Georgia on this past Saturday. So if there's a spike in Georgia, I'm sure that will be uh, potentially blamed for it. Uh, protests. The right protests, of course, are okay. The wrong protests, of course, are super spreaders, uh, like announcing a Supreme Court nominee. So um, it's, it's all in the eye of the beholder. It's, it's what you want the narrative to be. And sadly, we're more in the age of activism journalism than objective journalism. Yeah, you notice, you've noticed that like in the last few days, there's been a raft of, hey, this started much earlier than we thought research and uh, things are not, it's not as infectious as we thought, and uh, the death rates are way lower than we thought, and given that flu has seems to have disappeared from our statistical analysis of disease in America, uh, it's quite possible that, you know, flu cases are getting coded as COVID because the hospitals get so much more money. You know, none of that could be uttered uh, in, in respectable society before November 3rd, but now it's like all coming right. out because now they're trying to manage this back towards normalcy. Well, you the, know, the most important thing I want to understand is when do we need, when, when can we stop wearing masks? I had Jay Richards on the show, you know, Jay's a PhD, Catholic University expert in the pandemic, and he caught COVID-19 and went into the hospital and you know, because he had some lung issues, wanted to make sure he was okay. He's fine now, he recovered. But he got to talking about the hospital workers and healthcare workers about their their mask, and of course they were covered in hazmat suits, particularly their eyes were covered, everything was covered. And he asked them, "So you're not wearing the cotton masks or surgical masks that the rest of, rest of us are? Why is that?" And he said, "They said most of them said, well, they don't work." And so right. we're wearing these these. Uh, um, ceremonial mask that, that most people have shown uh, scientifically don't protect you from the virus. I mean, maybe a droplet here, but 99.9% doesn't, doesn't protect. So when do we get to stop wearing masks, guys? I want, uh, uh, I want an answer and I want what, a date. What day is it and what did Fauci say yesterday versus what he's saying today? Yeah. <laughs> Something like 90% of the people who catch it are regular mask wearers ad adhered to the I, I caught it in May, and I was doing nothing against the rules. I was staying home. We didn't even order takeout food, you know, wear masks, washing hands, all that stuff. Didn't matter. You know, that we don't know how it spread, so we can't really. What was it like catching it? I mean, how, what was your experience? <clears throat> well, when I first caught it, the first thing I noticed was uh, the, my taste went totally haywire. Things that tasted good tasted terrible. And then uh, I had a day or two that I was sick in the way, you know, like a flu type of sickness. And then there was about three or four more days where uh, I didn't feel all that good, but I worked, you know, and managed my life. And, but I had to sit home for two weeks. So, <clears throat> but I wasn't sick for long and I took no medicine whatsoever. For so it was a so, flu or a cold. Go ahead, guys. Well, Brian brought something up a little bit ago that kind of got me thinking and, and, along with my thought that now that if Biden is actually becomes the, the next president, 
that people will start to feel better because they think that the rules are coming from him instead of Trump. It's also the facts. You know, we all, in air quotes, we all say the facts. And the media always wants to uh, dispute anything that Trump or Trump's administration does. But if there's now a Biden administration and they're saying everything is okay, and the media plays along with Biden's uh, theme that everything is okay, do we think that that gets us out of this predicament? You know, uh, that the people that are afraid will all of a sudden feel like they're in Shangri-La and this whole thing's passed on. I hope so, because, you know, the problem, I used to think this was about Trump, but if you I look, still think it is. Well, but you look at New Zealand and Australia, uh, their lockdowns are, are egregious. So they're, I, you know, I know they hate Trump too. <laughs> they probably hate Trump too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's not, he's about 10,000 miles away. So what, what's that all about? Well, I, I think here it's about Trump. I, I think it's always been about, I, I you know, he, he didn't get on it early enough, even though he closed down uh, travel from China. Uh, he made fun of it, even though he, uh, Pelosi was making fun of it after he was. You know, it's, I think here in the United States, it's definitely been about Trump. So that's, that's my question, is if Biden steps in here and all of a sudden he's going, oh, everything's okay, economy can back to normal, kids can go back to school. Does everybody, does the media then jump on board with, the, with him and then everybody goes, oh, it's all fine now, we can go back to normal? Can, yeah, I think so. Can we take a vote? I, I'm, I say yes. Yeah, I think, uh, I think they'll be moving in that direction. Uh, you never know what the teachers unions want to do. They seem to be happy with the status quo, even though the kids are miserable. Let me finish up. We've got a couple minutes, just 90 seconds left or so. Let's, we started with the, with the vaccinations. Where Each of you give me your view about where we go with the vaccinations. You go first. Me? <laughs> anyone. Anyone go first. And then if it works out, if it, I'm, I'm in the same camp with Greg. Uh, I'm going to stand back at the end of the line, watch everybody else get it for a month or two. And then if it seems okay, I'll get it. Whether I'll give it to my kids, I don't think so. Uh, but definitely my mother-in-law, my mother, uh, my wife and myself, my mother-in-law, my mother, I would give it to it right away. My wife and myself, wait in a few months. My kids, no. Does that say something about what you think about your mother, mother-in-law versus your kids? Well, I don't, I don't, it's with is the it technology. Or, is it the age? Yeah. I mean, well, it's the age. They're more, they're more susceptible, but also with the technology, I'm not worried about their DNA being uh, changed or switched up through this RNA technology yeah. that they're using in this uh, vaccine. Uh, myself, you know, I still got a little time left. I, I want to make sure my DNA is not being affected in any way. And my kids, not a chance in hell. I am, um, uh, since I had it, I think I am, I've been ordered to the back of the line from what I've read. Uh, the people who have it will be among the last to, to get it. Uh, I think everyone who lives here with me, my family has been exposed to it enough that they have antibody. So I'll probably be with you and wait in the back of the line. No, I think uh, the people who are at highest risk for this and uh, the people who have the comorbidities and other uh, serious issues even before contracting COVID who are susceptible to a really tough battle with it. I think we need to make sure that we protect them as best we can and uh, push them to the front of the line here, assuming the vaccine is safe and effective. And uh, for the rest of us, hopefully uh, making sound judgments. Like I said before, I'll be uh, waiting way back in the line to make sure that uh, it, it doesn't have any massive side effects and then go from there. Uh, but uh, if, if this is the key to getting back to normal, 
I, I, I think most people will do it, but the more the government forces you to do it or the more private sector yep. uh, tells you you can't be our customer, I think the uh, liberty-loving part of our being is going to uh, resist in a big way. Yep. Well, let's, let's get together again because this may, in a, in a few months when we see how this is playing out, because this is one of those lines, you know, most people like to jump in front of lines, you know, to get ahead. This may be one where people are jumping behind the line <laughs> So we see how other people do. I, I, this is going to be an interesting uh, social construct. Well, anyway, thanks, guys. Uh, uh, Rich McFadden and Greg Columbus of uh, Radio America and Brian McNichol, frequent contributor. Uh, this has been extremely helpful to me, and uh, I hope to I hope to people who are listening. So anyway, guys, thanks thanks soon, and we will we will all be talking soon. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Bill. Anyway, thanks. We'll be talking again soon. And, and, and thank you for listening. Uh, we'd love to hear what you think. Uh, let me know on Parler, Facebook, and Twitter where you can find The Bill Walton Show. Uh, for previous episodes, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And of course, at thebillwaltonshow.com. Thanks for listening. Want more? Be sure to subscribe at thebillwaltonshow.com or on iTunes. 